Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Look at us being consistent and regular hey. and <laughs> weekly. That's us. Do we have any true crime news update things to talk about? Mm, do we? Oh, 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 I know, I know, I know. Scott Peterson? Oh, what about him? So he... Tell me he's not out. No. Okay. He's not out. All right. Because I would throw a fit. Jesus Christ. The California Supreme Court overturned his death sentence. Apparently, they are citing significant errors in jury selection. What? Yeah. Oh, I hate technicalities. I love technicalities, but I hate technicalities. They said that, like, his trial was flawed for many reasons. They are upholding the conviction for murder, but not necessarily, like, the sentencing. Sentencing? Yeah. Okay, so give him 100 years. Fine. Don't call it a death sentence. Compromise. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to cover his story at one point because it has recently come to my attention Mm -hmm. that not everybody thinks that he actually did this. Excuse me? And there's supposedly... But apparently there's evidence indicating that he didn't. I think you're wrong. Um, (laughs) And you can fight me. But (laughs) I kind of want to do this story and look into the opposition, I guess, and see, like, what kind of case they could make for it. Okay. I remember, like, when this happened, and I followed it every single day until, like, they found her body, and then he was charged and everything like that, and the whole mistress thing and everything like that. So I... Yeah. Like, this case is very um relevant to my brain, basically. Like, I kind of... Like, this is part of when I was growing up. But, yeah, they, I mean, they... For them to overturn his death sentence was, it was huge. So we shall see what comes with that. That'd be interesting to know what's actually happening. But yeah, it's it's a good refresher, especially if it's coming back up. Just so if you want to make an opinion, you have all the details. Yeah. And it's, it's a long case. Mm-hmm. Because, well, he tried running away. There's so much to it. But yeah, mm-hmm. if, I would love to hear it all over again. Yeah. An innocent man doesn't bleach his hair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and try to run to Mexico with all of yeah. his cash. Nice try. So that's all I got. Okay. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I'm missing. By the time this gets posted, there will be other things. Um, the Golden State Killer, he was sentenced to multiple life sentences. Oh, oh, did you see the video that got released by the DA's office after his sentencing? For? The Golden State Killer? No. So, after his sentencing, you know, during his whole trial and everything like that, he played, like, this weak, disabled man in his little wheelchair or whatever. Like, couldn't walk, couldn't stand up without assistance, nothing like that. Well, then... After sentencing, the DA's office released video of him in his cell walking around. At one point, he literally gets on the bed and climbs up onto a shelf or, like, his desk and is standing up there doing something on a shelf. What? Like, he's completely so fully was... abled and he was just faking it. So it was just faking it, it was to get just some sympathy? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Weak old man. Don't sentence me to life. I'm too old. I'm too weak. I wouldn't hurt wow. anybody now. It's all fake. 
which Billy Jensen had said, this is all an act. You wait and see. And then when the wow. video came out and he was hopping around his cell, he was like, told you. Holy shit. I mean, are we surprised? No. no. I'd love to see the video, though. I retweeted it. If you paid attention to our Twitter, I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like normal walking. Yeah. Watch. He's going to get up. Yeah, he climbs what onto his desk. Are you watching fuck? him climb onto his desk? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. Holy shit. And this literally, he couldn't even stand up on his own. He was in a oh wheelchair. Oh, God. And they said that this video was released showing him in his cell. This was like two weeks prior to sentencing or something like that. So he's fucking fine. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, he could have already gone and fuck himself, but he can definitely go fuck himself now. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways. You ready for some fucked up shit? Yes. <laughs> God. All right, everyone, so let me get Hit my microphone a couple times. Can you hear me now? A little, little ASMR. <laughs> Today we're going to be... T- I'm just kidding. <laughs> Warning. I could not do that entire episode. Okay. So today, I'm going to be telling you the fucked up story of Shonda Sharer. Okay. And this is, it's known by a couple names in the media. So it's also known as, just, as the Witch's Castle story. And not maybe known as, but a lot of the headlines are like lesbian triangle gone wrong or you know, a cult or rituals happen. Yeah. yeah. So it's known by a couple different things or for a couple different things, but this is, I think it should be called, you know, the Shonda Share case because it's, um, well, I'll tell you why, right? Cause it's not, it, although it's called the witch's castle, I don't think there's much involvement of it. I'll explain it more. Maybe I'm just running in circles here, but okay. Okay. So Shonda Scherer, uh, she was born in Pineville, Kentucky in 1979 to Stephen and Jacqueline and her parents got divorced. Uh, she was the younger of two girls. And after the divorce, the mom moved back to Indiana. Both the parents kind of did, uh, but different locations. Um, it was an amicable divorce. She had a good childhood. And Stephen, who is Shonda's dad, eventually, uh, or when he was in high school, him, Jacqueline, and this guy, Michael, were all best friends. And after Jacqueline, Shonda's mom, divorced, she got with Michael. So it's just funny how that worked out. Yeah. But, um, not too much to add to the story, but just some background on, on her home life. So uh, Shonda was a very sweet, beautiful little girl with blonde curly hair. Almost looks like a like a perm so much so that it, it's just so curly that it, it's... Um, kind of like Shirley Temple. Big old full, you know, full head of hair. Cute. And she... Is Shonda the victim in this case? Yes. Okay. So I need to know how to feel about her going. Into no, it. we love her. Okay, we um, like her. She was uh, so when she was seven. That's when her mom married this guy Michael. He was financially stable, and 
to the point where she could afford to send Shonda to a private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So she went to St. Paul Catholic Middle School. And then when she was attending school there in uh, Louisville, Indiana. Is that right? No, Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. Duh. Yeah, get it together. That's not right. Um, <laughs> she was doing all the extracurricular activities. She was doing cheerleading, softball. She did 4-H. She did Girl Scouts volleyball, gymnastics, and overall just had good grades. She was a good kid, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone, of course, light up the room type of girl. Yeah. Fun, bubbly, fearless, and yet at the same time, she was emotional. One of the cutest, cutest little anecdotes about um, when she was younger was that she it was Halloween, and one of the boys at school... Or, you know, around their neighborhood, threw a water balloon at her friend and ruined her bag of candy. And Shonda, being fearless little girl, walked up to the boy's house, knocked on the door, and told his mom, here's what your kid did. You need to buy my friend a new bag of candy. (laughs) Okay. So... This was just to show what kind of little girl she was, right? Mm -hmm. She would stand up for her friends and... But also worth telling that when she was younger, the conversations with her grandma, she was very close to her grandma. Sometimes she would ask her grandma, like, what happens when we die? Should I be afraid of death? Things like that. So she asked her grandma about that. And of course, her mom, her grandma being religious, she would talk to her about that and how it was like a normal thing in life. At age 11... Shonda brought home her first little boyfriend. Cute. And again, just a cute little antidote. Her stepfather was like, well, hey, kid, do you have a job? And the kid's like, no. And he goes, well, you better get one because having a girlfriend's expensive. You know? <laughs> and True. So not too much after that. So again, boyfriend at 11, her mom and Michael got a divorce. So her mom is now again a single mom. And this is where they moved to New Albany. Albany? Albany. I always have trouble saying that. Albany. Albany. I'll try and remember that. Kara hates that I say it. Albany. Okay. So <laughs> when they moved to New Albany. Albany. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Albany? Yes. Okay. New Albany. So when it's they... like A-L-L. All. I'll try. I I'll maybe won't mention it too many times. So okay. <laughs> um, when they moved to this new town, it was because they had cheaper houses, yet not too far from Louisville, and it was a wholesome little town, kind of like soda shop type of feels. Mm, okay? Mayberry, yeah, if you will. just a little. You know, it's wholesome. Yeah. yeah. And they lived across the street now from her older sister. So she was able to have a relationship now with her older sister. That was a couple miles away. So they were in a central position to, you know, still be with family. Uh, Dad only lived seven miles away. So her mom, she wanted to send her to another private school, but because finances were not all in order, she was a single mother, you know, paying for this apartment by herself. She couldn't do that. So she settled with sending her to public school. Page flip. This will happen seven times. 
<laughs> it was like super dramatic too. Page flip. So in the fall, Shonda started attending Hazelwood Middle School. Obviously, with public schools, there's a big difference of population in the school, you know, teacher to student ratio. So this was a lot bigger than the school that she was used to. The night before she started school, she spent a ton of time with her mom, like hours trying to fit out, you know, find her perfect outfit for the next day. And this is because she used to go to a private school, which had uniforms. So, you know, she was trying to make her seem a little, make herself seem a little older. She was 12 now. Although she wasn't a teenager, she wanted to give off that teenager vibe. Mm-hmm. Okay. She grown. Yeah, and it's just normal jitters to go and try and figure out outfits. I can't, yeah. you know, God, that happened almost every school year, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did it. We all Absolutely. did it. Absolutely. So the first day of school went great. It's Shonda. She, you know, she was nice, friendly to people. All this stuff came home. It was wonderful. She was, she was like, all right, this is gonna, this is gonna be okay. The second day, so not too far in, the mom gets a call that Shonda had gotten in a fight. Whoa! And that she would be getting one week of ISS or in school suspension. suspension. Yeah. And I'm so, familiar because I had it. <laughs> me too. Me too. So. And what grade is she in? Sorry. She's in middle school, so seventh okay. grade. And the story with that is that she was chatting with a girl. Obviously, these are new people, new friends. And the girl wanted to break up with her boyfriend by giving her boyfriend back this, like, ring he had given her. Mm. And she'll show him. Right. So this is middle school. Please keep that in mind, like, the innocence of kids until I get there. But, and blow that out of the water. But, mind you, keep in mind, she's 12 so Shonda, you know, trying to fit in, trying to find new friends, she's like, I'll go give it to him. Give me that ring. So she grabs the ring, and his his name was Nathan. And she meets him in the hall, and she's like, you know, she's trying to give this back to you. She's trying to break up. And Nathan's like, I don't want it. I don't want it back. Tell her she wants to break up with me to come give it to me herself. Yeah. Right? And so they're talking back and forth and Shonda's like, no, here, take it. She really wants to just give it back to you. She doesn't want to be with you anymore. Again, these are kids that Shonda doesn't know. She doesn't want to hold your hand anymore. Right. And so as they were talking back and forth, got a little louder, got a little louder. Kids start making a circle. You know, all this is happening in the halls. She got in a fight with a boy? No. Oh, okay. So all of a sudden... 14-year-old Amanda Hevron steps in, Nathan's cousin. Oh, shoot. And, you know, it was probably like, what the hell are you doing, my cousin? No, maybe not these he words. He told you he like, don't want that ring. Right. So Shonda, or sorry, Amanda comes forward and chest bumps little Shonda. Two-year-old different, two-year difference between them. And Shonda gets slammed into the lockers. And then Amanda Brings her down to the ground and just starts pounding on her. So, of course, the there's a circle. Yeah, kids are chanting. You know, you do the fight, circle fight, so the fight, fight. You, you do the circle so teachers don't come in and the kids goes longer. But also, so we can all get a view. Right. <laughs> this is pre cell phone time, so you had to be there to see it. Yeah. <laughs> you're not quick enough. You're no, gonna miss it. You're not gonna see it on Instagram or whatever kids do to share those nowadays. <laughs> TikTok. But TikTok maybe. Or, I don't know. I don't uh, TikTok. Snapchat. That's what it would I'm be. Not... 
And the kids, because Shonda is new to the school, start shouting for Amanda to win the fight. And obviously, this isn't Amanda's first rodeo. So yeah, no, she, she's... She gets in a good couple swings to Amanda, to Shonda. Sorry, these names. There's going to be more names, so this is why I wrote it down, because I'm not good at memory. So, um, so her mom was like, you know, she had to lay down the law, like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. It looks like you were doing a good thing for a friend, so you're also going to be... Um, so you're going to be grounded, you know, for the same week that you're going to be in ISS. That, that's just fair. You're not, you're going to have a whole week of no fun. I had um, to do that too. Right. So just the, you know, sucks that it was kind of the first, it was the first week. The yeah, second day of school. On. I mean, she was already making a name for herself. So they had, uh, Amanda and, and Shonda had this whole week of in-school suspension by themselves and during this time, Amanda's girlfriend is Melinda Loveless. Loveless. I know. Wow, that's right. Apropos. That's the last name. So Melinda had been held back a year. So she was a little bit older than everyone in her class. So for all the 14-year-olds, she was actually a 15-year-old. Beautiful, long, curly hair, brown hair. She, now we know, she said she had a lot of unfulfilling sexual experiences and she was falling suit like her older sisters who were both also lesbians. And How said, can you have a bunch of unfulfilling sexual experiences at 15? I will come back to that. Okay. So she, she you know, she's just like, I'm just going to do like my sisters, right off guys, and I'm just going to be with girls. And her dad was a probation officer. Eight months in of her dad being a probation officer, he was removed from doing that. He beat a man because he thought he was sleeping with his Mar- with his wife, Margie. Margie. And then after that, after he served his time, he became a mail carrier. And then after three months, he was fired because they found out that he was not doing his route, just coming home and burning all the mail. Oh, my God. So. Jesus. This is why we're not having mail-in voting. <laughs> and this could happen to your ballot, too. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently uh melinda's parents had an open marriage forced to like it was forced on the mom i think i think it was just the dad that wanted an open marriage um he would force the mom to have orgies um, oh yeah and after one of these orgies the mom margie attempted suicide yeah that's not an open marriage that's abuse no absolutely yeah. um he had his wife assaulted by four men what um, and after, and so after this assault, she attempted suicide again, and then she went, like, months upon months without wanting him, without wanting his touch or anything, understandably so. Uh, yeah. So, he got to the point where he couldn't stand it anymore, so he forced himself on them, on her, after lining up his three girls, so including Melinda, to watch that. So he raped her in front of his daughters. In front of his three daughters. Wow. So he was also later accused and prosecuted for assaulting Margie's younger sisters when they were the ages of 10 and 14. Yuck. Yep. Yuck. So allegedly, um, he tied his three daughters, including Melinda Loveless, in their basement and raped all of them. 
Which is, this is what I think is the Unfulf- unfulfilling sexual experiences for me. Yeah, I'll bet. I so, could see writing off men at that point. Absolutely. Being like, oh, good. Yeah. Especially your father. I don't, I don't know how you come back from that, honestly. Your no dad? matter what. Yeah, that's disgusting. That sounds so, like just actual, like actual, actual. It sounds like just actual hell. Absolutely. It's your father. How do you get away from that? Yeah. And you're having to see it. You're having to experience it. Like yeah. you're, it's awful. After this, I think, I don't know exactly at what age the girls were when that happened, but eventually they tried turning their life around. Both the parents, I don't know what the mom was doing wrong other than being assaulted and abused, mm-hmm. but they started volunteering at a local church. The dad was a preacher. The mom was a school nurse as well. And Wait, the same family? Uh-huh. Dad then becomes a preacher? Yep. After raping his children? Yep. And Okay, Jim Jones. He becomes a marriage counselor at oh. from for the church. Okay. They performed an exorcism on the mom. Oh. Eventually, he was let go, yeah. Um, AKA fired for trying to assault someone that he was counseling. Oh, look at that! Not so reformed. So, Melissa Loveless goes without saying, but I'll after I said all that, her last name just seems way too on the nose. That she had a rough childhood. Yeah. So, that's just um, still not even done. In 1990, so. Melissa was, or Melinda was born 75, so she was 15, um, or right around this time, the dad caught, the dad was caught peeking in on Melinda and a friend, so Margie, the mom, stabbed him. Jesus. He, he lived, though. She went to jail. She'd had enough. Unfortunately, though, Melinda had misplaced loyalty on her dad. She still mm. loved her dad. Yeah. And even though she wasn't near him, they would still write letters back and forth. And eventually he stopped writing. You know, you can't have Stockholm Syndrome with a parent. But it's kind of like that where she just had this loyalty to her dad that's unfounded for that maybe we don't understand because, A, we weren't there and we haven't been in that situation. But it's just odd that someone who raped you, who's put your family through hell, yeah. who's an overall just piece of shit. There's a lot of brainwashing happening there. Absolutely. So so Melinda admitted to her mom that Amanda was her girlfriend and not shy about public displays of affection, holding hands, kissing, probably, you know, smacking her butt. I don't know what you do as a 50-year-old. <laughs> Smack um, her butt. So, but to, uh, but Amanda, are you keeping all these straight? I'm sorry. Yes, I got okay. it. Okay. But Amanda had not come out to her parents. Okay. Albeit short haircut, all the signs are kind of. Right. There. The parents probably know it's coming. Kind of. So within a day or two of the girls of Amanda and Shonda being in ISS the girls made up okay they started passing notes to each other I don't know exactly what the first note was probably like a sorry from Shonda I'm assuming you know just because that's what the kind of type of girl she sounds like she would be the first one to be like 
I'm sorry, can we get over this? Can we talk about it type of thing? Yeah. And so Amanda now wouldn't stop talking about Shonda with Melinda. And was like, there's this really, you know, that's the girl I fought, da-da-da-da, like she's cute, mm. or an ISS. So. And Melinda's like, no. Yeah, Melinda's like, what the hell? What? What? Who is this little 12-year-old you're this? talking about? Exactly. Yeah. So Melinda, being a sneaky little girl like she is, she showed up to the school late on purpose, so she would be sent to ISS too. So she could be in the room with them to be like, what is going on? <laughs> if you've never been in in-school suspension, you're in there from bell to bell. Yeah. Okay. They, at least in my school, they brought you lunch. Like you don't leave. Yeah. There's no recess. So you're in there the entire, entire eight hours. So Melinda wanted to go in there and see what the hell are they filling up eight hours talking about? Right. So she saw that they were passing notes all day. And one of the times that Shonda got up to the front of the class to throw through to turn in some work or homework or whatever, Melinda saw that Amanda was staring at Shonda's butt. Hmm. So these jealousy, you know, feelings started coming. And so after school, and you can't talk if you're an ISS. Right. Okay. So after school was over, because this was the first time that Amanda had the opportunity to actually introduce them in person. She did after school was over. And then what Melinda noticed was that Amanda and Shonda were all like buddy, buddy and like, you know, nudging and like, you know, touching and just being friends. Friends. Yeah. So Melinda then asked Amanda, I need to see the notes. I need to see what you guys are talking about. And in one of the notes, Shonda said that Amanda was cute. So this um, is a no. 12-year-old. So Amanda told so many names. Sorry. So Amanda told Shonda, hey, my girlfriend, Melinda, is mad, is jealous, so we can be friends, but let's be secret friends. Oh, even better. Yeah. She'll never better. know. Mind you, this all moves really fast. Okay? So, I'm going to try and go through it uh, as best as I can without missing something or jumbling everything up. The, the sources are pretty much lined up. But, okay, so their relationship develops. And one of the stories is that in while they were in school suspension, one of the notes she thought, you know, a man... Shonda told Amanda she thought she was cute and then Amanda wrote to Shonda and I quote you ready for this? Yes. Okay. The first part is she's apologizing to her for hitting her and she offers to teach her how to fight because you know that's what you do to make friends. Yeah. And then this is the quote. Do you like girls? If so I think it's cool because it's so different. Is that why you're nice to me? Do you think I'm cute or something? Please tell me the truth. I won't laugh because I think it's cool. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. I have a feeling so, I know where this is going. Three days later, Amanda wrote to Shonda again. Do you still like me? If so, I'm glad. I have a lot in store for you Friday and Saturday when I see you. Do you know what I mean? 
I'm just joking. Or do you want me to not joke? Do you want to happen what I've got in store? If so, answer back yes. P.S. I think I'm starting to like someone. You know her. Oh, no. So two weeks later, on September 26th, and by this time, Amanda had turned 15th on September 7th, Amanda wrote to Shonda, What was wrong with you yesterday? You sounded so sad on the phone. So what's on your mind? Last night, I meant everything I said to you about making love to you. Shonda, you are so beautiful, hot, and sexy. I want you. I can't say it enough. Oh, God. She's 12. I know. Oh, this makes me so uncomfortable. As I read this out loud, I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. But it's part of the freaking story. So it's, it's worth bearing through, guys. Oof. So Shonda's mom, one of these days, pulls up to the house when, uh, school's, you know, school's over. Nothing terrible, but she sees that someone's on the porch and scurries away when she pulls up to the house. And then she, you know, tells Shonda, like, hey, who was that? You know, you're not supposed to have people over while I'm not home. And then, so... Shonda's like, oh, it's it's Amanda, and she calls her out from the bushes. And Shonda's mom says that in all honesty, she was kind of disturbed because she couldn't figure out if it was a boy or a girl. She says if it was a boy, she had a really pretty face. Oh. So, and then the mom was like, wasn't that the girl you fought? So why are you hanging out with her? And then Shonda was like, well, we're friends now. We're just hanging out. You know, we were just on the front porch talking. And the mom, she kind of gave in and was like, okay, fine. You know, if you guys made up and you're fine now, she can come over, but only when I'm home. Right. So that was the condition. And one week later, there was a sleepover. Shonda spent the night at Amanda's house. The next day... Amanda wrote Shonda another letter. Oh, boy. I had a really great time with you last night, and I'm looking forward to more. Please don't cry anymore, okay? Oh, God. I know. She's 12. What does this mean? (sighs) And then Shonda wrote to Amanda. I'm stressed. She said, I love last night, too. I want more, too, and always. I want what we had last night, if you want. This is a 12-year-old. You got to keep that in mind, I want what we had last night. Oh, God. So, Shonda did tell one of her friends, Michelle, who was a neighborhood kid, that she said, I've done things with Amanda, and she says there were lesbians, but I don't feel that way because I like boys more. Don't... She's a baby. Yeah, this is obviously someone who is not ready for this kind of stuff. Yeah. So this whole time, Melinda's like pissed. Well, yeah. Pissed, right? I don't so think she, she saw knows. these? So I don't know. No, she didn't see these. Okay. She just saw the classroom notes. Okay. But this is um, the point where Melinda like starts rearing her ugly head. And this is like a page letter. So I'll try to flow through it. Um, but it's worth reading all of it. So you wrote out the whole letter by hand. Yeah. Cause there was nowhere to copy it from. Cause I was just Oy listening vey. to stuff. 
So it says, Shonda, don't be scared of me, please. I just want to be your friend. I just don't like when you speak to Amanda and I'm not there. Why can't we all three be friends? You act as if you've gotten something going on with her. Amanda and I are going together and she loves me and I love her. She only wants to be friends with you. You need to accept that. I don't want you sneaking behind my back. Why don't you speak to Amanda when she's with me? You need to find a boyfriend because Amanda is mine and you can even ask her. Please talk to both of us or you can forget about Amanda. You, me, Amanda need to have a talk together and get this squared away. Then we can all be friends. You can meet us at lunch. Your friend, Mel. Ooh. Heavy, right? Yeah, that's kind of daunting. And she's 15. I don't like it. And, oh, man. I don't like it. So, Shonda doesn't meet them at lunch. There's no meeting that happens between them. And then Melinda goes into Amanda's locker and finds a heart-shaped note that says Shonda loves Amanda. So Shonda denies that because Melinda brings it up to her and she's like, did you write this? And then Shonda's like, no, I didn't write that. That's not even my handwriting. And Melinda pulled her by the hair and shoved her into a locker again and said, like, don't talk to my girlfriend again. That didn't last long. No, I'll bet. Yeah. Also, I don't know why a little 12-year-old's in a love triangle like that. I know that's the part that I'm really struggling with. I'm like, good God, Shonda, just go to yeah. go to writing class. Um, and then Amanda told Shonda she was saying that she didn't like to have to decide between them both because mm-hmm. she loved them both. So Amanda kind of liked the attention. Well, yeah, she's got two girls pining for pulling her, pulling each arm. Yeah, yeah, fighting over her. P.S. Your butt looks good in those pants today. <laughs> okay. So, P.S. Yeah. So there's a school dance. It doesn't say what school dance. I couldn't find it where, but I'm assuming this is a fall dance, like a harvest dance or something. Most schools do, like middle schools. No? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like God, a fall I only festival remember like something. one dance in middle school. It was so, awkward. Oh, it's always awkward. God. There was a school dance. Yeah. Shonda, or sorry, Amanda, ballsy motherfucker. Asks Shonda to go with her. No. Yes. That was way too loud. Sorry. Because she's like, Melinda doesn't like to go to school dances anyway. And she had already made plans to hang out with an older friend. And they were going to throw back some wine coolers like you do in middle school. Yeah. And sweet little 12-year-old Shonda was not going (laughs) to. So they went together. What kind of middle school is this? I. Where you got 12 and 15-year-olds in the same hallways. I mean, I we have them in Arizona where it's like middle and high school blend. So I know some middle schools they used to Depends go seventh, on how eighth, small ninth. The town is some that middle schools were seventh, eighth, ninth. Some are sixth, seventh, eighth. So I, this I might be know. a seven, eight, nine. Maybe. So as the night progressed, Melinda got a little tipsy on the wine coolers and got the courage to be like, "I'm going down to the school. I'm gonna go crash the." fall festival (laughs) harvest party and she started crying and just was enraged with you know or taken over by jealousy it was just like i'm going down there i i need to figure out what's going on i need to see if they're like i don't know grinding on each other what did you do back in the 90s yeah so this is before twerking but trina was happening and lil kim was there 
<laughs> was Trina happening yet? No. But Lil' oh, Kim was no, happening. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oy. Melinda went down to the school. Mm-hmm. And she waited in the parking lot, waiting for everyone to come out, waiting for these two to come out, probably holding hands or some shit. And she slapped Amanda. Oh, oh okay. So these are 15-year-olds being abusive now towards each other. Well, I mean... It gets worse, but... she All she's seen is abuse. So it... Exactly. That was... And she's drunk and upset, and she sees her girlfriend with another girl, the one she's been telling her not to, you know, see, and she take her to the dance. It was just the night for all the girls, right? So mm-hmm. Melinda made Shonda promise that night that she would not hang out with Amanda. The girls quote-unquote break up so they were on a break and (laughs) i see what you did there but (laughs) and it kind of matters because stuff happened while they were on a break (laughs) yeah i'll bet funny how that works out huh ross huh ross so during this breakup melinda's sister who are also of the family Mm -hmm. you know um introduced Melinda, her 15-year-old sister, to a girl named Carrie, like, as a potential new girlfriend. There's another one? Oh, this oh, one comes and goes. Okay. I think that's the only one that, only time I'll mention her. So, to try and, and, and Melinda was all for it, because she's like, maybe that's what Amanda needs to see, see me with another girl, so she'll get jealous. And it worked, because Amanda wrote Shonda Letters saying she was glad that Melinda was out of the picture, but at the same time, Amanda was calling Carrie's house and telling her to stay the fuck away from Melinda. So... Oh, my God, the amount of drama. Oh, this is so drama. So, like, Melinda found out that Amanda was doing this, and she's like... Oh, so, you know, you do like me. Otherwise, you wouldn't be calling Carrie to tell her to, you know, stay the fuck away from me. And then, so the girls agreed. Amanda is going to break it off completely with Shonda. And Melinda's going to break it off completely with Carrie. And then Amanda and Melinda are going to get back together. Ladies. I know. Get it together. So then Amanda told Shonda that... Melinda had put a spell on her and that she couldn't break up with her because something bad would happen to her. But she had to keep her and Shonda's relationship a secret because if Melinda knew, Melinda would probably kill Shonda. So she knew. Something. She knew how crazy she was, right? Amanda told Melinda she would be breaking it off with Shonda, and she didn't. She was just like, can you still be my little side piece? <laughs> like, actually, little, pun intended. Like, she's 12. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, <laughs> while Amanda and Shonda were on, like, this on again, off again type of thing. This is so complicated Sha- for a little 12-year-old. I know. So, Shonda is talking to some boys at school. Literally just talking to these boys. And this is mid-October. Amanda told Shonda that she had heard from Melinda that she saw Shonda flirting with some boys at school 
and you better stop calling the boys when you like me. How do I know that you like that you don't like him if you weren't calling me? I'm scared of losing you. Ugh. And then another note was like, why didn't MTV pick this up as a special? God. Another note says, I talked with someone who saw you standing real close to a blonde headed boy. Who is he? Don't lie. How dare you stand next to somebody? How dare you? This is all going on. And then eventually Shonda's mom finds notes in her house from Amanda. Mm -hmm. Not these borderline explicit ones, but notes that say like, you know, you should learn how to forge your mom's signature so you can sign that detention slip and stuff like that. So the mom good on her, went down to the school and be like, did this happen? Did you get a signed detention slip for me? Because I, I didn't sign shit. Mm-hmm. And that's when the mom found out that this good, normally good grade, grades girl is flunking all her classes. Oh, Lord. Is, um, yeah, she's, she forged her signature on detention slips and forged her signature on the report cards. So, Great. Yeah, she's going down a cool road. So that's when the mom was like, okay, you need to pump the brakes on Amanda. You cannot see her. You need to get your shit back on track. Like, you're a good kid and you get good grades. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if she's just being a bad influence, but you need to cut the shit out. Get it together. Right. So um, Shonda told her mom that she stayed friends with Amanda because Amanda offered her protection from kids at school and then she admitted that that kid from school was melinda (laughs) and then the mom jacqueline was like this is bullshit right so she goes over to amanda's parents house and was like your kid needs to stay the fuck away from my kid i'm adding words because it just sounds better (laughs) so not a direct quote (laughs) not a direct quote so she tells this to the dad and the dad goes, huh, that doesn't surprise me. You're not the first parent to come tell me that. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Right. So she's like, he's like, I'll do what I can. But I mean, she does what she wants. Oh, good parenting. Right. And then Shonda's mom also tells the dad, tells Amanda's dad, like, are you even aware of what your kid does? Like, you know, she, you know, she's she's probably gay so she's kind of like outing the kid yeah i think that was more of like a passion in the moment type of thing yeah she said it as her final job right and then that's like oh no 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 she has a boyfriend because that's what amanda had told her parents Mm -hmm. that she had a boyfriend at school so the mom hired a tutor tried to get her back on track the tutor's coming over three times a week she started um getting her grades back up um, so she's like, I gotta go play hopscotch. So, <laughs> so the the dad, when the dad found out, uh, so Stephen and Jacqueline, um, Shonda's parents found out that her, you know she was failing school, she was getting bad grades, da da da, she was getting attention. Um, the dad's like, we'll figure shit out, we'll budget, but let's get her back into Catholic school. The school was so accommodating that they started her the next week. So right oh, wow. away, right away, in the middle of semester. She's, we're cutting you off from Amanda, right? She's not a good influence. Enrolled her in another school. Mm-hmm. So she had almost no communication with Amanda at this point, other than Amanda 
like tried calling Shonda and like would f- <laughs> fake voices or accents to try and talk to Shonda to like, get her mom to give her the phone. I did or, that once with a boyfriend. Oh, absolutely. And then, or she also uh, had friends call. And she I did that on, too. And she would be on three-way, of course. Yeah. As love happens in middle and high school, if you're not, you know, together day in, day out, you might start losing touch just because you're not in proximity to each other, right? right. So it started fizzling away and Shonda was okay with it. She wasn't like heartbroken by anything that we know. Because she wanted to... She's 12. And she's... Right. Yeah. You know. She's wondering about her possibility with boys. Exactly. She's, a, you know, she, she's being a kid. So time goes on. Shonda spent the weekend at her dad's house. Mm-hmm. Her mom found a school picture in her mailbox of Shonda that uh, said, and I don't have the direct quote, but something of, I miss your warm body next to mine. Ew. And she put Amanda's address, but didn't put a stamp on it because she's a 12 year old and she didn't know that she needed a stamp on something to send it. Oh my gosh. So Shonda sent that to Amanda. And mom. Shonda's and mom, mom found, found it. it. Oh, so she crap. calls dad. Be like, dude, here's what I just found our kid trying to send out. Yeah. And Shonda goes into damage control and she's talking to her stepmom like, hey, if I put something in the mailbox, you know, why wouldn't it go out or something? And the mom's like, well, did you put a stamp on it? The stepmom. And she's like, no. And then she goes into like this, you know, damage control of it was, I was just a joke to a friend and, you know. But mm-hmm. n- no, the, no, the parents knew better. We know. And okay, so we're going to fast forward here. To, it gets um, graphic, but I mean, hello. <laughs> Warning. You're listening Warning. to a true crime podcast. So what did you expect? We now resume your regular programming. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda is friends with a girl named Lori. Lori has a very troubled childhood. Another one. Another one. In and out of schools, fights, claims to drink her own blood. Ew. Is into the occult and seances. Yeah, we got a dark one on our hands. Um, and this one had a car. Lori mm-hmm. had a car. Uh, because finally when stuff was, you know, getting better, she was getting a little older. Her dad bought her like a really old car. A beater so she can go back and forth to her job at Walmart. Okay? We got a Wally World worker here. <laughs> Melinda and Lori, they decide they're going to go to a concert. I mm-hmm. think it's a rock concert, to be more specific. I don't know what concert it was. I don't think it's relevant. But I couldn't find it, damn it. So, <laughs> it is what it is. They were going to go to a concert. Um, and I believe this was in Louisville. Mm-hmm. So... Away from the town that they were in. And then Lori told Melinda, hey, I'm going to invite two other friends. Friends that would be down for whatever. Okay? Because Melinda had expressed to Lori, like, hey, I just... It's alleged... Well, no, I'm... It's between I want to kick her ass and I want to kill her. There's no confirmation of what exactly Melinda told her desire was to do to Shonda. But maybe when she said, 
I'm gonna kill her. She meant like I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna beat her it. ass, yeah. right? And uh, Lori was like, "Oh yeah, let's do it." Yeah, because she was all down for the process of she wanted to know what that felt like. Okay, so <laughs> so these two other friends, um, one was Hope Rippy. Her parents were divorced, lived with tough boys. Um, so she was kind of a tough girl too. Mm -hmm. She was really smart though. She played a lot of different instruments. She was so, uh, talented that she could hear a song once and be able to play it again. Ooh, she's a savant. Yeah. Her parents didn't approve of her hanging out with Lori. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's as much as we know about Hope right now. And then this other girl, Tony, which is childhood friends with hope they've been friends since kindergarten well she was quiet studious when she was younger she was sexually assaulted by a boy Uh and when word got around school like it does all the kids sided with the boy yeah so she was rejected by her friends yeah you know um so she was in pain depressed Withdrawn. So exactly. Yeah. Her grades started dropping. So that's how she became friends with all these girls because they're kind of the misfits. Yeah. Lori took it upon herself to teach Tony how to cut herself. Mm. One of these times, Lori cut too deep and ended up in the hospital. In front and she did this in front of Tony. And mind yes. you, these are all teenagers. Nonetheless, they invited so all four of them were gonna go to this concert. Tony, her parents also did not approve of Lori. Right. She wanted to go to the concert. Her parents had said no. And then she said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go spend the night at a friend's house. Had that friend cover for her mm-hmm. and say, you know, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell my parents I'm spending the night at you at your house. Again, who hasn't done that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the friend out of curiosity was like, so who are you going to be with? What are you doing? She's like, I'm going to a concert in Louisville. My dad thinks it's too far away, um, too young and too far away. Um, she's like, who are you going to be with? And she names all the girls, Hope, Lori, and this other girl because she didn't know Melinda. The friend's like, fine, whatever. Uh, the girls go pick up. I swear to God, if oh. you say another girl. No, that's all of them. Okay. Okay. So they... Their first pit stop is they stop at the Walmart that Lori works at to steal batteries Mm. for the boombox in their car. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Priorities. Yep. So, mind you, this is where freaking Lori works. You don't go into your... Anyway, that's a whole other tangent. Yeah, come on, Lori. Do better. So, uh, yeah, we'll go in harder on her later. (laughs) When they were driving around or uh, on their way to go pick up Melinda, Lori told Tony that the plan tonight was to go kill a girl. But because Lori was off her rocker, as far as Tony knew, she thought it was a joke. Like, there's no way in hell that's real. Mm -hmm. So she thought she was joking. It's a sick joke. But they went to the witch's castle. This is where the witch's castle thing comes in. Okay. It's this ruin, the, these ruins up at the top of a mountain that overlook a river. And 
the there's local legends that you know three witches lived up there and the local villagers burned the house down with the witches in there so it's haunted there's nothing that shows that's true right it just looks like an abandoned house sure type of thing they, the, so the three girls grow up there and Lori's like bragging about how she's done seances down there and how she's done like sacrifices down there and how that, that's where she like drank her own blood and Ew. shit. So at this point, their kid's doing kid stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to haunted places, whatever. Right. They drove over to Melinda's and this is where they did their normal, typical girl stuff. They're all, you know, switching t-shirts, figuring out what to wear, going through Melinda's closet, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then all of a fucking sudden, Melinda pulls out this huge ass fucking butcher knife from her purse and she's like, this is what I'm going to use to kill Shonda. Oh, wow. That just, that escalated quickly. Escalated really quickly. So Lori was still at this point thinking that this was too unreal to believe. So she didn't really believe that that's what was going to happen. And then Melinda, right there in the room where all the girls are getting dressed and stuff, said that her plan was to go to Shonda's dad's house to pick her up because she knew that Shonda stayed the weekend at her dad's house, that she would send the two girls that she didn't know, so Hope and Tony to the door to ask for her and tell her that Amanda wanted to talk to her and they would take her all while she hid in the back under a blanket with a knife in her hand. This is very elaborate. I don't know what went through these girls' mind. Right. But Hope and Tony get out of the car and Shonda answers the door. And the girls say, is Shonda home? She's like, I'm Shonda. And the girl's like, oh, we're friends of Amanda, and she has something really important to tell you, so she wanted you, she wanted us to take you to her. She said it's really, really important, and she really wants to talk to you. And Shonda was in the process of getting ready to go to a birthday party, probably a regular, regular birthday party, where there's cake and probably a clown. I don't know, like, normal 12-year-olds. <laughs> so And beanie babies. Probably spin the bottle at worst, but I mean... I mean. <laughs> Um, so she, so Shonda was like, okay, I can't go right now because I have a friend coming over. We're going to the party together, but, um, if you guys want to come back around midnight, bring Amanda with you, we can talk then. I'll be back by then for sure. And so the girls go back to the kind car. 12 year old birthday hoping. party goes till midnight. Uh, her curfew was 1030, but. So, I think it was more of her dad being asleep by that time. Curfews at 10.30. What? That's, yeah, it's, well, it's probably small town type of thing. I guess so. So, the girls, Hope and Tony, go back into the car, and Lori and Melinda are pissed. Oh, well, I bet. Because they couldn't lure her out. Yeah. So, then, even though they're pissed, they decide to still go to the concert. They can The two girls, Hope and Tony, convince Melinda and... Lori to still go to the concert. We'll be back. We, you know, we can come meet her up again at midnight or whatever. They go to the concert. I, I don't know exactly where this was. I couldn't find it, whatever. But it was hot and sweaty like it is at a concert. Mm-hmm. So Hope and Tony ask, Melin- or ask Lori for her car keys to go sit in the car, get some air. It's frigid cold outside, but it's like comfortable in the car, right? Mm-hmm. So they're sitting in the car and allegedly, these two boys pull up, not pull up, but walk up to the car, and be like, "Hey, can we sit in there with you too?" And there's 
allegedly, well, there's like rumors of whether or not the girls had sex with the boys in the car or not. Mm-hmm. But I don't know exactly what led to the conversation, probably just the paranoia. But one of the girls just word vomited everything that the girls had been saying that they had planned on doing. Oh, to these boys? To these random ass boys. Yeah. And then, so the boys are like, oh, that's fucking crazy. If you want, we'll have our ride take you the fuck away from here right now. Tony was all for it. Um, But Hope was like, um, maybe. Like, what do I do with the keys? I have her car keys. Like, you know, how do I explain that I I, I just left with you guys? She's being wishy-washy when she absolutely had the opportunity to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, but then also don't get in cars with random boys. Or let boys and random boys into your car. Yeah, true that. Jesus Christ. This is why it's called Strange Danger. But so they decide not to do that. Mm -hmm. The girls come back. They go back on their way. So after the birthday party, Shonda and her friend that gone together go back to Shonda's house where her friend's going to pick her mom's friend's going to pick her up. And Shonda asks her dad for permission for that girl to spend the night. Dad says no, um, because they broke curfew. They're supposed to be back at 1030. They got there at 11. And so, you know, you, you lost your right, yep. right? The dad's like, okay, I'm going up to bed. Her mom's coming for her. Let her out and then lock the door. Remember not to stay up too late because there's construction going on around the house tomorrow morning and you won't be able to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Love you, Dad. Love you. Last words that Dad said to his kid. The friend had gone home, gotten picked up, and there's another knock on the door. From this time, Hope and Lori. So they switched up because Tony didn't want to go knock on the door again. Melinda hid in the back seat under a red blanket, and they lured Shonda out with the lie that Amanda was in the car and waiting to talk to her. She's like, yeah, yeah, she wants to talk to you, but you got to come out to the car. So Shonda approached the car, looked in the back seat. It's dark, so she couldn't see someone was hiding under a blanket. She's like, what are you talking about? There's no one here. And then, so she's like, oh, no, 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 we're, we're taking you to her. Just get in the car. And Shonda, God, Jesus Christ, she's 12. <sighs> I don't know what kind of car it was, but... Three girls got in the front seat, so this had to be one of those, like, long... Bench ones, yeah. Yeah, and only one of them got in the back. I don't know how this didn't set off any red flags, but also maybe it did. We don't know because we don't have her experience, her account, right? So Melinda popped out of the back seat, took the blanket off, and just put her knife up to Shonda's throat. She pressed up the knife to her throat and asked if her, Shonda, and Amanda had been sleeping together. And at this point, Shonda is crying. Well, yeah. Begging to be let go, being to take her back home, like, let me go. So she thinks that honesty is going to help her. So she admits that her and Amanda had slept together. So they drove. Oh my gosh! I know. I can't. I can't wrap my head around like the age of these kids. They're so little. The tw- well, well, the twelve-year-old. I'm like, two fifteen-year-olds. I know. So they drove off to the witch's castle, and Shonda's crying the entire time. 
They took her out of the car. They forced her up the hill. She's tied up at this point, her arms. Um, they put her in the front or the main room of this witch's castle of the ruins. They take all of her jewelry, her rings, her bracelet, and including a Mickey Mouse watch, which like if you press it, it sends them, you know, oh boy or something, whatever Mickey Mouse says. And like the girls were like, ooh, look at this ring, you know, just (sighs) teasing her. Yeah. And Lori took a black t-shirt that she had, poured whiskey all over it, and set it on fire. Then they realized that that fire might call attention to them, Mm -hmm. or the smoke might call attention to them. So they put it out. They put Shonda in the trunk. They left for a gas station. (sighs) This is where it gets... Well, it's already weird, but this is where it gets really interesting. Tony got out of the car... They were lost, so they were stopping for directions. Tony got out of the car, went to a payphone, again, pre-cell phones, and called a friend. She could have called the cops. She could have called her parents. She could have called anyone else, but called a friend and just told him everything that was going on and how she was scared that she'd know how to get out of it. I get it. But dude... 911 has a lot less numbers than your friend's phone number. And you also don't have to pay for it. Right. She was out of the earshot from her friends or from the kids in the car. She could have clearly done something to stop this. Yeah. Mind you, they already had the opportunity with the boys in the parking lot at the concert to so get away many from this. Ones. And then she also had this opportunity on the payphone mm-hmm. to call someone, damn it. Or tell her friends to call the cops. Something. So, yeah, give a license plate, mm-hmm. give a description, anything. So after the gas station, uh, because they were all turned around, they drove 50 miles. That's a long That's time. That's a long time. To Madison, which is near Lori's house. And on the way there, they stripped little Shonda. Mm. They drove to a wooded area she was shivering. They put her on the cold. She was only in her underwear. And this is where Lori held Shonda while Melinda beat her. Lori and Melinda both tried to stab her or are stabbing her. We know for sure at least once on the back of the neck. Oh, ouch. Hope jumped out of the car. There's two stories. She says it was to go help. The other girl's stories about what Hope did was to go hold down Shonda while the girls continued to beat her and stab her. So Hope says she jumped out of the car to get help or? To, to, no, to stop it. To pull oh, okay. the girls away from Shonda. And the girls are saying she was part of it. Uh-huh. But it was so cold that Hope quickly went outside, did whatever she did, and then she went back into the car with Tony And then cranked up the boombox so they wouldn't hear Shonda screaming. Oh, my God. I don't know what song they were playing. What's wrong with these people? (sighs) But isn't there a story about someone listening hungry like the wolf? While they're Um, their kids? Yes. Who was that? That was Diane Downs. Yeah. So I don't know what they were listening to, but nonetheless, I'm sure that song is stuck in the fucking mind. But Ian Brady and Myra Henley... They listened to the little drummer boy while they were torturing kids. Oh like my on repeat. god! Yeah. Oh my god! I've never. I love that song. I know. 
Okay. Maybe that's a Christmas song. I actually hate that song. Really? Yeah, Little Drummer oh. Boy is like one of the worst Christmas songs in my opinion. Not by Pentatonix, though. Well, nothing by Pentatonix counts. They're amazing. So, after beating her and stabbing her, mm-hmm. Shonda was not dead. They put her in the trunk and they drive to Lori's house. They think she's kind of dead. They think she's dead. By the time they drive up to the house, they're like, oh, she's quiet. She must be dead. So the girls go upstairs. They kind of, you know, they're walking in the middle of the night. So they're, you know, tiptoeing around, just pussyfooting up to Lori's room. They wash up. Mm-hmm. Mind you, all I read was they washed up. So I don't know if all four of them had blood on them. Yeah. Which would tell but me the they ones were who all needed four to out there. Did. Right. But they were all at a sweaty concert, so. So they... Oh, no, washed up blood, blood off of them. Okay. For sure. And the girls were all in the room. They were talking about, you know, like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, mind you, middle of the night, they hear the dog barking outside. Oh, no. So then they're quiet. Oh. And then they hear the quiet muffles of someone screaming from a fucking trunk. So they realize Shonda's not dead. So then Lori goes into her kitchen, gets a knife, comes back up to the room to show the girls, here's what I'm going to go stab her with. What is with the show and tell? Dude. Okay. So she goes back down to the car, opens the trunk, stabs her again repeatedly, comes back upstairs, thinks the job is done, all covered in blood again, washes up again. They decide to go country cruising in order to dump her body somewhere. Mm. Only Lori and Melinda go. Oh, okay. Hope and Tony stay at the house. Got it. So then, and then Melinda suggests, why don't we burn her? Oh, God. Oh, no. So. What is wrong with these girls? Lori knows of a burn pile lot by her house. I think this is like a communal burn pile type thing. But because they've been doing all this off-roading in Lori's beater car, she fucked up her muffler. Hmm. So as they're pulling, they're, they pull up to the burn pile. Lori's car is making noise when they're pulling up to the burn pile. And there's these two, it says kids, but I'm assuming it's like teenagers who had just gone off their restaurant shift. So it was like two, three o'clock in the morning. And they see and they hear the car. And they're like, who the hell's out there this late? Right? Mm-hmm. Lori knew of them, didn't really know them, but they had like a vending machine in their front porch or something. I don't know, some really small town. Got it. So Lori's like, ah, damage control. I'm going to go over there and talk to these boys, right? And see and turn back and see if we're within, if, we, if they can see us. Yeah. So she goes over there and talks to the boys. And, you know, the boys are like, oh, you know, what are you doing? And, She's like, oh, you know, it's my muffler, but we've got it under control. And the guys offer to help. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're fine. We're fine. So she goes back and was like, we got to pack up. We got to get the fuck out of here. We can see the burn pile from here. So let's just get the fuck out. Because the boys would come over after they leave. Right. They got back into the car and they were thinking of ways to get rid of Shonda. So Lori thought, let's just dump her somewhere. We're going to be going over a bridge. Let's just dump her over the bridge into the water but melinda insisted that she wanted to burn her while they were driving around they heard 
noises coming from the trunk. So Lori pulled over, grabbed the tire iron, opened up the trunk, and Shonda got out the word mommy before Lori struck her again. Multiple times, came back into the driver's seat and put the tire iron in Melinda's face and was like, smell this. Ew. Why would she? Oh, God. Yeah. These girls are sick. And then Melinda had this idea, you know, maybe if she's so out of it, we can dump her out into a road and then run her over. These girls are like pure evil. Uh Uh-huh. Shonda keeps making noises. Oh, Shonda. I mean, what else is she going to do? I know. At one point, she kept calling out for Melinda, too, before she said the mommy thing. But because she knew her. Yeah. And then, so, Lori got out again and used the tire iron again on her. And she came back inside and she told Melinda, it was so cool. She was all covered in blood. It felt so good with the tire iron going in. Ew. They drove around for seven hours. Yeah, that's a long night. So they returned to the house, mm-hmm. both covered in blood. Yeah, I'll bet. Shonda's still alive. Oh my gosh, this poor baby. So Lori offered to show them Shonda, Hope, and Tony. Like, oh, come look at the trunk for another fucking show and tell. And Tony said, no, thank you. But they're in like shock. Hope was shaking her head, yes. And then Hope gets a bottle of Windex that was in the trunk and starts spraying Shonda on all her open wounds and making fun of her. Yeah, that girl definitely helped. There was no, like, she was holding her down that first time. There was no, like, oh, I was trying to break it up or whatever. Yep. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, they discussed how to finish the job, I guess, since uh, one of them said, let's just stab her. Um, as they were talking about it in the driveway of Lori's house, Lori's mom came out and was like, hey, girls, can I make you some pancakes? She was like, hey, you've been gone for seven hours. Her kid's a fucking sh- shit show. Yeah. So... Lori's like, no, mom, no, we're okay. I'm going to go drop the girls off. We're going to stop at McDonald's for breakfast. I was like, okay, sweetie, have fun. (laughs) And then they stopped at a gas station. They bought a two-gallon Pepsi bottle. Nothing nothing good can come of Pepsi. Um, Sorry, just kidding. Team Diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) So they dumped out the Pepsi because I wouldn't drink it either. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. They filled up the bottle with gasoline. Oh. What? Gasoline attendant didn't think that was sketchy as fuck? Yeah, I'd be like, um, excuse me, excuse officer? Me, yeah. <laughs> also, that shit's gonna melt on you, doesn't it melt? I don't know. So, this is when they drove out to a field. Allegedly, Hope stayed in the car. And I'm not sure if... I don't believe you, Hope. Tony participated in this. I don't think so. Um, but... Somehow Shonda was wrapped in the red blanket that Amanda had or Melinda had been hiding in. So Hope, Hope poured half of that two liter of gas on Shonda 
and Lori lit the match. And Sean is still alive at this point, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Great. That's just wonderful. So much so that, um, and we know this because the girls tried to drive away. They thought they had done it and gotten away with it. But then they looked back and they're like, that fire is not as big as we thought it was going to be. So let's go back and pour the other fucking half of the bottle. And Melinda had the honors this time. So Melinda went and poured the other half of the two liter on her and came back into the car and said, I quote, so disgusting. You should have seen her tongue. It was going in and out of her mouth. I'm so glad she's gone. So glad she's out of me and Amanda's life. Mm, I don't like it. So Lori said she would come back later and with her shovel and dig a hole, put the burnt body in. Oh, God. So the girls go to McDonald's. Because <laughs> what else do you do? Oy vey. And Tony called another friend. I have no time for Tony. Tony confessed everything that had just happened. Twice. She's done this twice, twice now. now. And then, and this is again out of the earshot of the girls. While the girls were ordering their food, she said, I'm going to go call my friend that I told my parents I was staying with to see if my mom called. called. She did call the same friend. I'm sorry. So it was the same friend that she was, said she was staying with. I have questions. Because, oh, like, these we'll boys there. didn't do anything. This friend doesn't do so, anything. Lori, after they sit down with their breakfast sandwiches, right. pulls out the sausage patty from her sandwich and says, doesn't this look like Shonda? <laughs> Girl is Satan. On that same morning, a couple hours later, two hunters found the body. But it was so disfigured, she was in... Oh, I forget the name, and I'm sorry, guys. I'll look this up. It's uh, a pose that shows you were burned. Oh, God. So she had her knees up at an angle, her arms up. She's on her back. Yeah, that's indicative of, of a burning person. So that's, well, we, I mean, you could tell by looking at oh. the body that she was burnt, but being in that position and not laid out flat tells you that she was fucking alive. Oh my God. When this happened. So. Why did you pick this one? The, they go back to the house or Lori and Amanda go back to the house. They're cleaning out everything. Mm-hmm. They're doing their due diligence. They're cleaning out They don't out know their that trunk. the hunters have found them. No. Okay. So they are cleaning out everything, and in the trunk they find a fragment from Shonda's skull. And Lori unceremoniously just tosses it, and she's like, oh, the dog will get it or something. Yeah. They clean the tire iron. They clean the trunk. They're, Return the knives. Yeah. Well, no, they threw one on the side of the road, which I'll get back to. But, okay. Um, and that's also around the time that Steve, Shonda's dad, uh, found that Shonda was not in bed. Of course. Right. Because so it's morning time. Called yeah. the mom. She was actually on her way out to go house hunting because she was going to go buy a house for her and Shonda. Um, because Shonda liked calling them, calling each other roommates because she thought it was so grown up and cool to be roommates and the mom was ready for the next step. So she was actually on her way out to go house hunting with her older daughter when the dad called and was like, hey, is the kid with you? <laughs> Mom's like, no. She goes over there. They, you know, call in a missing persons report. Unfortunately, 
and it, and it doesn't delay the process too much, but the initial, just plain what you could see. And I'm sorry, this is kind of crude. I don't know if she was developed or not, but they thought it was an older teenager, younger 20 year old body. Oh, okay. So because she was, you could not do anything from appearance other than maybe her height and her proportions. So they, they knew a little bit about, and it was in another County. So they were looking at missing persons reports from recently in that County. They couldn't really match anything up at first. They thought it was a drug deal gone wrong. Um, because they, they thought it might've been a prostitute by that age, like young 20 year old. So the girls, they couldn't keep their fucking mouth shut. No, because they're young and dumb e- and evil. Right. So they, of course, they had all promised each other, like, oh, we're not going to ever talk about it. Da, da, da. My Tony's, Tony's like, already like, three times. <laughs> she's like, I already told like five people. Um, so Melinda and Lori, because Lori wanted to keep track on what was being, what information was being given out. She mm-hmm. kind of kept close tabs on Melinda and Melinda um, went to go tell Amanda what the fuck had happened. Amanda just went up to her room and reread her letters, but didn't call the fucking cops. Didn't do anything. What's wrong with this Tony's town? friend, the girl that she was supposedly spending the night with and confessed yeah. everything to, was like, girl, you need a lawyer. So she told her parents, hey, Tony said she was staying here. That's what she told her parents, but she really didn't. She called me. She told me all this. Can you help her get a lawyer? Like, tell her parents to get her a lawyer. So they got her a lawyer. Oh, my Lanta. And her lawyer went and hit her in the hotel for a while. Didn't want to let her speak to the cops with the whole, like, she's not ready to talk yet. Mind you, at this point, like, same day in the next couple of days, they had no idea it was Shonda, Mm -hmm. the body, Mm -hmm. because they hadn't matched anything up. And it wasn't until they did cross-country checking um, and they had Hope went into the cops to talk about it. And that's when they matched everything up because she's like, who are you with? She mentions Lori's last name, but she Mm -hmm. knows Lori's got a shitty background too. So the cop knew her dad already from the system and, you know, just the whole, that's how they pinned all the girls together. It took a while to get all their stories straight because Hope and Tony at first were like, they dropped this off at McDonald's before they went and did everything that they did to like burner and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just a fucking shit show, right? The town went crazy. This is 90s on like, this was Satanism and this was, this is, you know, Satanic of panic, occult, yeah. of the occult. And this is what happens when your kids are gay and. You know, they they weren't like this lady is quoted on USA Today saying like, you know, these girls are nothing but nice. There's no not an evil bone in their body. This all has to do with Satan and stuff like that. And uh, the reporter's like, no, they're pretty evil. Kids are evil. So long story short, all the girls accepted pleas. And. Tony, because she was helpful towards the end and all that, yeah, um, and actually had an attorney, not a legal, excuse me, a public defender like the other girls, took a plea for basically like the kidnapping part mm-hmm. because she could have stopped that too. 
Right. Bitch, you knocked on her door. She would have stopped everything, but yeah. Right. So she got a little bit of a lesser sentence. So these these women now are all well and alive. So Tony was released on parole in December of 2000 at the age of 24. Ugh. Hope was released on parole on April 28th, 2006. She was 30. Lori and Melinda both got 60 years each. I think that's light. I agree. But they only got 60 and not the death penalty, which they were eligible for because they were 15. And because of the heinous nature of the crime and torture, um, they only got 60 because of the plea deal. Lori was let out on parole on January 11th, 2018 unbelievable at the age of 42 and melinda loveless was released on parole on july 5th 2019 that's disgusting at the age of 44 that's absolutely disgusting yeah so (sighs) so they served 30 years or something that's it yeah wow wow for torturing i don't know what the fuck happened were they knitting sweaters for cold children while they're in jail? Like, what the fuck did they do that was so nice to let them out? Do they oh. not remember what the fuck they did to a 12-year-old? And then also, so the forensics turns out that her cause of death was actually the smoke inhalation. So another thing to prove she had soot in her throat that she was alive when during the burning. Yeah. Although no one has brought it up, she had internal bleeding. She was sodomized. Probably by that tire iron. Probably. Which is why she said, smell it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no one one has talked about details. I don't, I I know enough details about this case. I don't want to know those details. But, so there's that. And uh, they've uh, all been on Dr. Phil. I bet they have. Me and Dr. Phil. I know. I fucking hate him. (laughs) I think uh, Lori was in jail when she did her Dr. Phil interview and she was talking about how she lives with it every day, blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. And how, like, she relives it every January because this happened, I think, January 11th or something like that. Oh, God. Yeah, you should relive it every day in your jail cell, but I guess she's out to the public now. Some of them have extended probation periods, like, uh, but I don't give a fuck. I, I think they should rot in jail, actually. So, I don't know how far Tony's involvement really was. It sounds like she was remorseful and, like, knew they were doing something shitty. Obviously, she was calling people, but obviously that opportunity to call someone on the roadside and she called a friend to tell them what was happening instead of the cops truly pisses me off. Because you're 15 at that point, dude. Like, you know what the fuck you're doing and you know the fucking number to 911. Yeah. Okay, that's my piece. (sighs) Okay. You know how long that was? All right, who needs a palate cleanser? Oh, I do, I do. Okay. So, in our last episode, you guys may have noticed we started doing our new segment called WTF, a.k.a. What the Florida. (laughs) What's up, Florida? What the Florida? (laughs) 
On January 2nd, a Florida man in Panama City crashed his car into a bar so he could steal a Dr. Pepper. That's where police found him, sitting and drinking his Dr. Pepper. He also had a gun on him, which changed the charge to an armed burglary. Because he stole the Dr. Pepper. And that was the first Florida story of 2020. Guys, get you a dollar. They're, they're a dollar at McDonald's. They a dollar at McDonald's. In Florida, they have sales tax, oh though. Oh, my gosh. So, what, a dollar ten, a dollar five? That's hilarious. All right, murder lovers, you know what to do. You can go over to our Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. Email us at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook using stranger danger colon a true crime podcast. And you can go a little further to get all the pictures, which there will be in this case. Be warned. But Pass. Again, go to the group if you want to see them. That's stranger danger colon murder lovers. And you can find us on Twitter using at sd true crime pod all right i'm gonna go have nightmares now oh i'm sorry good night okay bye-bye bye